No Bull. Powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to NoBull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Let's go! And a good Friday to you. No Bull with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. A football Friday edition are you sure, of the program. Are you sure it's Friday? Because I was told the election was Tuesday, and on my TV, the election is still going on. So are you sure? Are you sure it's Friday? Feels like Check Groundhog's Day. <laughs> nope, still says Friday. Still says Friday. My, and uh, I Jordan, I think you got working. your light to work, buddy. I got my light working, but wow, I think we found the broke. promo video for today's show as Jordan wow. Simone in the middle of the intro is playing it with a light and just absolutely blinded himself. Mm-hmm. Makes you doing okay good. there, Jordan? Yeah. How are you doing today on a Friday? You, you, can, you can see clearly now, I think. Boom. Oh, you look good wow, now. Look there you that, go. Guys. I got studio quality lighting now, just like my, my co-partners. And holy you can't hell, see anything now. Ugly. Oh you God, can't I'm see ugly. anything I can now. Really see myself. Wow. Sean so is giving me fashion advice before yeah. the show. Told me to unbutton my top button here. Just, just the to top button. It up a little bit. Yeah. But just look, the... if you could see the whole outfit, you would appreciate it. And also, times are changing, Sean. Okay. Styles mm-hmm. change. The top button is coming back. Um, and, and so you just got to respect it, okay? The top button's coming back. Maybe I'll try it. I'll try the top button when I, you know, throw on the clothes to go to work today where just, I've got a button up shirt. tomorrow. Uh, for ASU, by the way, looking forward to that. Yeah. Gonna, we're going to talk yeah. a lot of ASU. Jordan and I both work on the ASU Sun Devil Radio Network, uh, the broadcast for tomorrow's game, which is going to be odd. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to broadcast from afar like everybody else, right? Everybody's done it, so we'll get through it as well. But oh, looking yeah. forward to that. Bright and early. Don't forget, I told you on the show earlier this week, you're on the air at 7.30. I need you there at 7. Okay, be there at 7. Yes. Not a second okay. later. Be there at 7. I'll be there at 6.55 because if you're five minutes early, you're on time. Uh, to if you're pull on the... time, you're late. And if yes. you're late, you're forgotten. To pull the curtain back slightly, I have built you and Jeff Munn your own news table, your own news booth is what we're calling it. All right. Should you... I bring this light? Yes. But there'll, be no cam- light there'll be no you. cameras involved, but you can put the light on yourself if you would like to for the radio network. So, uh, okay, enough of that. Enough of the personal behind-the-scenes stuff. Schubert, what are we doing today? Well, first, we're going to tell everybody what's in the lead here in a minute, but uh-huh. we're going to talk about probably what you guys are doing tomorrow because it's a football Friday on the program. we got to preview ASU-USC tomorrow. Let's but before go. we do that, let's tell everybody what is in the lead on the program today. This is the one they're talking about. <laughs> Start with a little uh, pro football, gentlemen, as week nine in the National Football League kicked off last night, and I think it went uh, how everyone expected it to go with the 49ers, one, injured as much as they are, secondly, missing a bunch of players due to COVID uh, positive tests inside their organization. It is a 34-17 win for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers throws for four touchdowns, has only six incompletions, and uh what more can you say, Sean? This 49er team, you can't read too much into this. They're injured. They don't have players due to COVID. This was what we expected on Thursday night. Yeah, and not only that, but if you rewind the clock, remember the NFC Championship game last year when they uh, they absolutely embarrassed the Packers? You don't think Aaron Rodgers remembered that one when they ran all over them? By the way, over 70% of the scrimmage yards from that NFC Championship last game for the 49ers over the Packers on the bench or in the po- or in the protocol for COVID yesterday. So you knew that was going to be an ugly one. But uh, Devontae Adams, good at the football. Not Very terrible football. as a wide receiver in the National Football League. So uh, exactly what we expected. Aaron Rodgers, that offense is clicking. Their defense is suspect, but the offense of the San Francisco 49ers doesn't have much to bring to the table to take advantage of that. So Packers run away with it. Uh, exactly what we expected. Another bad Thursday night football game. 
Look, it was a good night for me. Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback in fantasy football. Uh, <laughs> and so I was feeling real good mm -hmm. after last night. Also took the Packers uh, by nine and a half. And so that covered as well. I'll tell Great you, job I'll... of the Packers. Very similar to Seattle Seahawks. Not a lot of defense, but Aaron Rodgers can never count him out. If you were playing the under last night, not good for you. It was kind of funny to hear Joe Buck start to talk about that at the end of the broadcast last night as the 49ers scored a touchdown with, what, three seconds left to hit to, to hit the yep. over? A lot of people uh, a little irritated by that uh, useless touchdown well, you know with what? the 49ers. You know what's but... funny is more and more broadcasters are talking about the lines during games now. Yeah. It's 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 really cool, and they're, you're going to see – sports betting get more incorporated into games eventually you'll start seeing the lines you know adjusted lines i'm sure um on these games the xfl because you know, everyone's already coming up that. with their own yeah remember the yeah. xfl had the line and the like they were they were yeah. adjusting at mid-game and everything and uh no you're not wrong you know al michaels has always been a guy that's had no problem sliding it in he there you he know, sneaks in the it in just slip for those in of you yeah. watching at home this yeah. one might be important right. for you right. like, like joe buck last night i think the way he put it was uh there, there's a group of folks out there interested in whether or not the 49ers are going to score this touchdown and then he even he even referenced al michaels there but you're you're not wrong jordan the more that it becomes uh, you know, open across the country, you know, legal sports betting and sports gambling, you're going to see it's going to become a part of every broadcast and part of every game, you know, uh, even when you're yeah. there, you know, I, I, you're I, I guarantee you're going to have apps, apps on your phone that are you know, sponsored by the league or the game or the team you're at and, and you're able to gamble at the games. It's, it's going to become a thing. But uh, it was kind of funny hearing Joe Buck bring that up late in the game. There's a group of folks interested that the 49ers are going to score here. I thought it was, it was kind of comical. Move over, Vance Joseph. There's another Joseph in town as the Cardinals add some cornerback depth. Jonathan Joseph heading to the Arizona Cardinals. And, Sean, I think this is one of those moves that when you're a team, is uh, the way the Cardinals are playing right now, 5-2 and two in the mix for a playoff spot, you look to find depth where you can find it. And this is an area of need for this football yeah, team. Yeah, and that's the key thing you just said right there. It's, it's an area, not only are they looking for depth for the position, but it's an area where they need depth at the position, right? And, you know, especially when you start to look around the conference and teams you're probably going to be seeing, you're going to see, you're going to just you still have to head up to Seattle. You have to see Russell Wilson again, you know, so when you start to look at what might be coming down the line later on throughout the year as you're sitting five and two coming out of the bye ready to make a run at this thing you're going to need to play a little bit of defense and have some have some depth at those positions so not not a surprising move at all um, but it is just that it's depth at a position it's not something you're going to be expecting to get a whole heck of a lot out of right now uh, plus you have Murphy on the COVID-19 list you know so there's a lot of things here that that are that are led to this decision by the Arizona Cardinals but mainly just because it's, it's an area of need the two things you said area of need and depth, depth, and more depth. That's what every team in the National Football League is always looking for. So um, you make these type of moves. That's why That's why Steve Kine pulls the trigger on this kind of stuff. This is a veteran corner. I think he's 36 years old. He's an older guy. Mm -hmm. um, but he brings in some experience. As you mentioned, Byron Murphy, this is the real reason that that he's coming in because yep. Byron Murphy is obviously going to be on the, the COVID-19 list along with, uh, with DK. Um, so... Yeah, good move. Get a veteran guy that can come in, kind of plug in and play. He's seen every defense, so yeah, I like it. We've heard about threats from the National Football League of massive fines and draft pick compensation being taken away due to violation of COVID protocols. Well, we have our first victim in the draft pick column as the Raiders find $500,000 and stripped of a six-round draft pick due to their handling of the Trent Brown COVID situation, uh, mainly because they're a repeat offender. This isn't the first time that the Raiders have found themselves in trouble. We go to resident Raiders expert on the program, Sean Crespin. Your thoughts as you grab your helmet? Yeah. Well, 
I'm just holding. Not here. great, Bob. No. Put it on. Put it on. Right. Well, I got head. I get ear. Hang on. So I'll put the helmet on. I got earbuds on. That's why I wasn't gonna. All right, we'll put it on okay, and talk. Here we go. Let me get the earbuds back in here and see if I can actually hear you guys now. I'll, you know, I'll turn Test. Can you hear us? That? Sean? There we go. Sean, yeah. do you have us? Huh? Okay. Yeah, all right, I hear you. you got us. So the all reason, right, first of all, this is blasphemy taking a draft pick away. It's ridiculous. But uh, I understand it. Repeat offender the Raiders have been. They had not only did they have John Gruden, you know, getting fined in the sideline for not wearing his mask properly. <laughs> then you had Darren Waller. His, uh, he had the charity gala he had going on. Players were there not wearing masks. You had a, a, a uh, personnel member in the locker room who wasn't cleared to do so. They got fined for that. So, yeah, repeat offender. I get it. Listen, it's a sixth-round pick. It's not like they're ta- they're probably going to end up with a compensatory pick somewhere in the mix as well that makes up for this lost pick. So who cares, right? Like, it's a sixth-round pick. Um, but, yeah, not a good look for the team. John Gruden fined again. Team fined again. And why are you picking on my Raiders, by the way? There's reports today that Mike Tomlin and the Steelers were fined for masks and stuff. Why are you, why are you, why are you focusing on the Raiders, Schubert? Because your team lost a draft pick after you said it would be ridiculous for draft picks to be taken away for this. It right? is. You were, the, you were the king of the crusade. It of, is, like, well, don't take away draft picks because it is your team that gets a pick taken away first. It is a little ridiculous to take away draft picks and, and jeopardize. It's a sixth-round pick, so it's not – when I say this, understand that I'm I'm more so thinking if they ever move to the thirds and the seconds and the first. But to remove a draft pick from somebody and jeopardize the integrity of, of your league and your teams based on COVID protocols is insane to me. But uh, it's a sixth-round pick, so I'm not freaking out about it. If, you, if they start taking away people's second, thirds, even fourths, then you start to scratch your head a little bit. But, uh, no, the Raiders, listen, repeat offender. That's what it is. Just like anything else in the National Football League, when you see things escalate, it's because of the repeat offense, and they're, they're, there's no argument. The Raiders, they fall under that category. The Board of Reps for the National Basketball Players Association has approved a plan for a 72-game schedule that will start on December 22nd. So, guys, we have cleared the way for when the 2020-2021 NBA season will begin December 22nd. Shortened season, 72 games. Yep. There were some ups and downs along this journey, gentlemen, about when this season was going to start. December 22nd is the day. Yeah, and what LeBron James say, if we play, if we start December 22nd, I'm cherry-picking for the whole first half of the season, he said. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you look at the numbers and just how quickly this turnaround actually is, it's, it's, it is a little crazy, you know, for the teams that went deep in the bubble to then turn around to start December 22nd playing games that matter. It's, it's, it's a little crazy. Um, but uh, it is what you have to do, right? If you're the NBA, we talked about this a ton, you can't have what you decided to do to save – 2019-2020 affect what happens in 20 and 21 and basically lose two seasons to save one. So, you know, playing 72 games isn't that big of a, of a loss, you know, in terms of overall revenue and, and, and you know, it's 10 games. But the, uh, you know, it, 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 the players turning things around that quickly, it's going to be a little rough for some of the teams that went deep into the, into the bubble, that's for sure. I think the biggest thing for me you know, from the athlete's point of view, is they don't get their off season, right? They don't get their off season to decompress. They don't get their off season to, to go on that, you know, that annual trip that they might, and then get back into training, then get your mind back into training mode. You know, all of these guys, you don't see the work that they put in, in the off season, but to, to play at the level that LeBron does every single year, there was a lot of rehab and training that goes into this. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects 
injuries during the season. A lot of guys did they were they able to get their body prepared uh, for the for the full game of season. So I it'll be interesting to see. We, we won't know until uh, until the season starts, but I imagine we'll see a lot of guys with the load management. Seventy one to it will be, that's the number seventy one days between the end of last season and the start of, of next season, if they're going to go ahead and start on December 22nd. I think most, especially casual basketball fans, are um, they, they, you know starting in December, starting around Christmas is usually when people start tuning in anyway. So uh, it's in, from that perspective, it's not awful. I'll tell you this, though. The NBA, is. I'm going to be interested to see how and when they start allowing fans to return to these games. Because they're talking about over $1 billion in loss from last season alone. And understand how we talked about this with the NFL earlier this week on why there was such a slow trade deadline. And it's because of the uncertainty of the salary cap, which is directly tied to the revenue share. The NBA has a revenue share that if you remove $1 billion of of revenue from last year, and then you continue to not have gate money coming in next season. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to that salary cap over time in the NBA, uh, who a lot of their superstars bank on that salary cap increasing incrementally each season, which is why they only sign one- to two-year contracts, three max. Your superstars, the Kevin Durants, the LeBron Jameses of the world, you see them sign the two- to three-year deals because they know the TV money is going to come in, bump up that salary cap, and then they can get more cash. It's going to go in the other direction for a couple of years. How many years? We don't know. So that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And for the NBA, I think that's why the players ultimately agreed to this this December 22nd start date and the quick turnaround because they understand that as well. They can't have another $1 to $2 billion loss on this season or that salary cap straight down. You know, yeah, and, and so that's why they agreed to this. And this deal in particular, the 72-game season starting on December 22nd, is reportedly supposed to bring in anywhere between $500 million to $1 billion in revenue. So that was what was on the table to be lost if right. they pushed, you know, pushed this back. If they only went with a 50-game schedule, think about how much money they would have lost. And this, uh, this schedule is supposed to finish up in July right before the Summer Olympics that were supposed to take place this year are scheduled to take place. So... Uh, I think there's going to be a basketball team that plays there. So you might you might see some guys go right from this season to I don't to think you will. That's, new that's season, what I'm saying. Like, you, and then to the Olympics. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, you're not going to see the, the, the who's who of NBA players making that jump. You know what I mean? Especially after playing the way they have. As many minutes and as many games as they will have, have played in a calendar year at that point. Sean, give me the music. 60 oh, seconds of hang baseball on. here find. on a football Friday. That's, that's not ready for me? No, hang not on. ready for the 60 It's kind of blasphemy of to do a 60 seconds of baseball on Let a me know when uh, you're dead. on a football Friday, but here go ahead. Go ahead. The clock the cl- hang on, let me restart. The clock is going. Go ahead. What? I already lost 4 seconds. Yeah, it's what you get. Go ahead. What's that about? Go ahead. All right, so two pieces of baseball news here for you on a, on a football Friday for the 60 seconds of baseball. Number 1, what a great day it is to be a Mets fan today. The Steve Cohen sale uh, of the New York Mets is about to go through, about to have a new owner worth 14 billion dollars. The, the richest owner in all of sports in a year where teams are not going to be paying players and shedding payroll. What a great time to be bringing a new owner. So what a mm-hmm. fantastic day it is yeah. to be a New York Mets fan as the Steve Cohen sale should be finalized today. And then I want to get on a soapbox again. I've done it twice this week. Uh, this will be the second time. Today we learned that the Boston Red Sox in yeah. a Hall of Fame-worthy news dump, like yeah. Hall of Fame levels, mm-hmm. decided... They are going to bring back 
Alex Cora as the manager of the Boston Red Sox, and it is absolute blasphemy that this is a lot. Clock is spoken. Clock is spoken. Baseball's over. <sighs> okay, didn't get all mm -hmm. what I wanted to get in there, but, uh, but yeah, Alex Cora, the new manager seconds, of bro. the Boston Red seconds. Sox. That's what you got. Coming up next on No Bull with Chris Crespin and Simone, the Pac-12 has problems before the season has already began, and we will give a preview of ASU and USC. That's next on No Bull with Chris Crespin and Simone. Earnhardt Auto Centers, gentlemen, locally owned and operated since 1951, a proud partner of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. And with days like today, social distancing still in place, shoot over to Noble.com. Check out the Noble Express tab. Top of the page, right in the middle, bam, click the Noble Express tab. You can take care of all your purchasing needs from right there at your home, including, and this is something Jordan did, he had, he had a Lexus delivered, weird, to this front door. Noble Express, you can test drive any vehicle you want. They'll bring it right to your front door. You can test drive it, and you can finish the financial application online, and then they'll even deliver the exact vehicle you're going you're gonna to keep right there to your front door once you finish your purchase as well. It's the Noble Express option at noble.com. It's the, the you, you still experience the Earnhardt commitment to world-class service and low prices that absolutely can't be beat right there at your own home. You guys know the name, Earnhardt. It's a name you know you can trust. 68-year commitment here in the Valley from their family to yours. Earnhardt Auto Centers and noble.com. That ain't no bowl. It's a pretty big weekend. Tomorrow, a pretty big day. For us Pac-12 fans, the Pac-12 returns to the college football slate. But before it can even begin, guys, some bad news. As I think they called up Jordan to play defensive line for Cal in this game tomorrow. Because this Cal-Washington game canceled due to uh, a number of positive COVID tests and contact tracing ruling out all the members of the defensive line for the Cal Golden Bears. The entire defensive line ruled out for this game Cal below the number that you need to have uh, minimum scholarship players in order to play. So it's like a forfeit in soccer after you get like five red cards. You don't have enough players to play. That's what happened to Cal with COVID protocols. This game canceled the word being used. This game is not going to be made up. And guys, the concern that I have right off the bat here is the protocols in place in California over a 14-day quarantine. ASU plays Cal next weekend, and we will get into an ASU-USC preview here in this segment. But I want to start here because before the Pac-12 can even start their shortened season, they've lost games. And, Sean, we have talked about it. the NFL has got a plan in place, and they haven't lost a game yet. And it's they're, they're maneuvering things around, and they're doing whatever they can to get these games in. These other conferences that started early have had to move games around, and they hope to make things up later in the season. The Pac-12 never had any room for, for error once they started this, and I don't think we're, we should be surprised that games have been lost, but to already have a game lost before the season even started is not a good look. No, it's unfortunate. It is what it is. It's the protocols of, you know, of, of the way uh, the Pac-12 is going to operate. We know what the Big Ten's doing. You've seen, listen, you've seen, this shouldn't just be a Pac-12 conversation you've seen games lost across the board in college football so if you thought the Pac-12 was going to get through their calendar without losing a game you were crazy now to your point a second ago the protocols that are in place uh change by uh, whatever market you're in whatever the rules are there locally right your county and where Cal at Cal you mentioned it Chris even if you're not a positive test you're just a at-risk high-risk contact tracing person in this whole situation, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And how the rules work in the Pac-12, before the season started, every team had to submit a roster, 
Okay, on that roster, you had to have at least 53 scholarship players. You had to have a you know a quarterback. Your quarterback depth chart had to be on there, and that's officially locked in. Same with the offensive line, defensive line, and so forth. So the rules are: you must have 53 scholarship players in order to field a team. You must have at least one quarterback that you submitted on that roster in the preseason to field a team. You must have seven offensive linemen to field a team that were on that original roster. You must have four defensive linemen that were on that original roster. And if you don't have any of that, you can't field a team. So what happened with Cal, because of the contact tracing, they are below the 53-man scholarship uh, on that roster. Therefore, they can't play this weekend. And as we just mentioned, 14 days are the rules, which would put you beyond the game against ASU. So if all the players that are in the contact tracing right now have to quarantine for 14 days, and they're all scholarship players, meaning you're not getting them back, I don't know what you do. I don't think you're going to have a football game next week. Now, that's not official yet. All right, let me let me really say that that is not official. It's not like I was told anything or anything else. I'm just looking at protocols and doing the math myself, and it doesn't appear as if it will work next weekend, which is just unfortunate, man. For It's unfortunate for Cal. You're, it's, it's extremely unfortunate for Washington this week, and it would be unfortunate for any other team that's going to lose a game considering what these kids have put in to even get ready for a season at this point, Jordan. Look, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, you, you have one asymptomatic player on Cal that shuts down the entire football team. Uh, how much is too much? You're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that COVID doesn't affect. It, it doesn't affect them the same as it affects the older, the older people in our country. And it, it, it's, this is too far, in my opinion. You, you take the player out who, who tests positive, get, get him away, okay? Quarantine him. Do it, if you want to take him for 14 days, but to cancel the football game outright, look, you go through contact tracing, he's asymptomatic, test the other players. If they're negative, bring them back. The, the, uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers had a lot of players out from COVID yesterday, and they still played the game. Like, at, at what point are we going to stop uh, canceling these football games because of one asymptomatic person or player and, and just continue on like things are ready? Look, it's, it's a flu. It's a flu for a kid that is 20 years old. It, it, if you're sick, stay home. If you're sick, stay home. If you're if if you're worried about you know getting other people sick, stay away from other people. But football needs to be played. These kids have futures on the line. You're taking away opportunities for them to showcase their talents to get to the next level. So for me personally, and I, a lot of some people may not agree with it, you need to play football and you need to give these kids the opportunity to play. Um, test people. Keep testing every single day. If somebody tests positive, get them out. Though I, though I agree with you completely in what you just said, the big word always comes back around, and that's the liability factor. And, and, there's the, and that, is, that, that is why these schools, these, these conferences, these leagues have the protocols that they have in place. Like in the sports world, we have to completely throw out our feelings of what the virus is or it isn't. We have to completely throw out you know uh, whether or not we were afraid of the virus whether or not we we think it's it's the flu like you're saying for younger people and and the reason we have to do that is because the reality of the protocols that are in place in sports are really all that matters at this point and unfortunately the protocols that are in place right now for the Pac-12 make it to where Cal can't field a football team and it, and and what that means for the following week or weeks we'll have to find out because I completely agree with you Jordan right like Ultimately, these kids are not too much. high risk, and it's yes, too much. You're, 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 you feel awful for the kids that are that have put in the work and the effort and the, and the staff, the coaching staff, everybody available, you know, that's involved. I should say 
that's put in the work to get to the point where they can even play football. You feel awful for them. But it comes all it always comes full circle to the liability factor. People that, are gonna get it. That people are gonna in. get it. The no, players are. are going to get it. And so basically what you're saying is that when they do, we're shutting down the 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 whole team. And that's not right because you've seen that that players are going to get it in the National Football League. It's bound to happen, especially if there's a second wave that people are talking about. Different with pros, even though it, different it, with pros might, and college kids. Yeah, yeah. There, there's lia- there's liability, but what is that liability? That that is the unknown. That's the that's the million dollar question that nobody truly knows at this yeah. point. So you know, for instance, what I think is is and Schubert, sorry to cut you off there a second ago, and I, and I'll get your thoughts here in just one moment. The the uh, what I think really pushed this forward was the unknown of the long-term ramifications, right? Which we still don't, we can't sit here today and say that science knows because they don't know. We, we don't know what the long-term ramifications are. So let's say you've got somebody who, who catches COVID this year while you're still playing. Then they go on to the NFL combine and they do all of the tests and they do all of the, you know, uh, the medical checks and there's a respiratory issue that they flag you on or a heart issue that they flag that player on. Who's to say the player doesn't turn around and go, you had me play, you made me play, and I caught COVID, and now I've got this issue. There's, there's sign li- a waiver. There's liability it's, issues across boom, the board sign a waiver. That, put these, that put these organizations, these programs, these leagues, these conferences into a situation where they have to put protocols in place, and that's what you're seeing. That's why you're seeing these games canceled. It just is what it is. And you pointed this out last, last show, I believe, Jordan, that the, the NCAA has given – uh, a, a blanket extra year of eligibility across the board for next season. And I had the opportunity, I, I produced the, 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 the Herm Edwards radio show here locally weekly, and we were talking before the show last night, and he, he was pointing out that for a lot of these guys, it's going to be almost like a free year. You know, So mm-hmm. if you lose a game, if you lose enough games to where you feel like your draft status might be affected, you can come back next season. You know, So that, that's still an option for these kids. Uh, so it's, it, it, it's, it is what it is. It's awful, um, to see the, the effort put into play football and to have it stripped away from you. Like think about Washington right now. None of their none of them are even positive. I mean, they have a full roster right now and they're going to be sitting at home. So it's unfortunate. Um, but it is a season where you're just, you're just going to have to embrace the weird man. And, and, and the good thing is the NCAA, as you pointed out last show, Jordan is giving you an extra year of eligibility. So if you feel like you had something stripped away from you, you can make it up next year. It also makes the Pac-12 look look bad, Chris, and I'll let you hop in here in a second. It makes the Pac-12 look bad. Why would I want to go play football in the Pac-12 uh, when every other conference, for the most part, is playing? If I have offers to SEC Big 12, I'm going to go down there because I know at the end of the day that they're going to play and they're 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 not as strict on their their guidelines for all this. But they're stuff. losing football I mean, this games. Could, they're they're all losing football games. Every conference has lost football games. Every single conference across the board has lost a football game. Yeah, but if one player is sick, they don't shut down the whole team. Um, I, I Clemson, mean, I, I Trevor don't Lawrence. Know, I don't know the. No, I know, but did they shut down practice? You know what I mean? It's and it's no, no. Everybody, everybody kept on going as normal. Trevor Lawrence was just asked to quarantine, which is how it should be. Right. If there's a D lineman that got sick at Cal, send him home. Let him let him get better. And then keep testing the rest of the unit that he was with because, of course, he's going to be in the same room as all those people eating lunch, meeting, practice, whatever. Keep testing everybody. If somebody else tests positive, get them out of there, too. I mean, that's all you can do. You can't just shut down the entire facility. Yeah, Sorry, George. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. There are two conversations that are happening here. And in in my 
you know, opinion, they, they're, they're different, right? They're, they're conversations that don't relate to one another. Your feelings about the virus, while I don't agree with, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. That's a totally separate conversation that gets taken place outside of, of football here. What is the discussion that's being had here is the Pac-12, all of the ADs, all of the presidents and chancellors of the university agreed and gave thumbs up to these protocols. So the only people that they have to self-reflect and look into the mirror on are themselves. They agreed to these protocols full well knowing that if one player tested positive through contact tracing, these things could happen. They knew what the situation in California was. They knew what the situation in Arizona, uh, Oregon, Washington, they knew what the situation in all of these states were. And it's it's unfair to the Pac-12, and I'm the first person to absolutely blast the Pac-12 when necessary. It is ridiculous to blast the Pac-12 when they are a different subset of states compared to the SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC. Those conferences are looking at the situation in their area and making rules that work under their guidelines, right? And, and listen, this is the reality of the situation. The Pac-12 set these rules. The, the, the state and local governments set these guidelines, and the Pac-12 presidents, chancellors, and ADs were okay playing under these rules. So the moment you say you're okay playing under these rules, guess what? These things are going to happen. The, right, the, this is the, the nature of the situation. The Pac-12 isn't complaining. You know what I mean? The that's what I'm saying. So, so the, the, we if, are. If they're not complaining, then there's no – like, this right. is what's going to happen. But fans – no, I, I think the protocols are ridiculous. That's what it is, then. I think that the protocols are, are, are way too overboard. Um, and, you know, part of that is because of where we live in the country that yeah. these guys that are making it are going to make it so that, you know, that's just the where, where we are. Like I country. said, with, with Cal, the county is really what's driving the, the, yeah. uh, the rules of what has to happen. You know, the fact that high-risk contact tracing is, is, is uh, putting players into a 14-day quarantine, that's a county thing. That's 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 yeah. a California thing. That's 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 what Cal has to deal with. Um, so, you know, for I think what Chris is pointing out and probably rightfully so, you know, it, you, we can't compare the Trevor Lawrence situation to what Cal's dealing with because it's a county thing. Like it's not a school, a football or program or a conference thing. It's a, it's a it's an area thing. You know, it's, it's just but these the schools knew. But these schools inside the Pac-12 knew what their local government's ordinances were. Right. right? And, and, you, and they and, knew but you haven't heard. You haven't heard. You haven't heard the school again. I keep hearing you say that, but the ones that are complaining are me and Jordan and fans and players and people who didn't have that decision. The people who they, I haven't heard the Pac-12 complain about this. I haven't heard the, you know the the, the 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 ads complain about this, Chris. So they they seem to have known what was going to happen, and 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 when we're cool with it. The people who are complaining right now are the players, coaches, guys like us talking about it. It could fans. be ASU, right? It could be it, ASU. It, it's it's so I, I hear what you're saying, but it's. The people who are, are having the heartburn over this, Schubert, aren't the ones who voted. So they and, don't have – And that's my yeah. point. And that's my point. It's the people who did vote, the people who did put these pro protocols in place, knew this stuff was going to yeah. happen. And so which is why they're I not don't, complaining. I think, I think our frustration towards them is ill-gotten game because I don't think they're going to all of a sudden be like, oh, you know what, we're going to change our mind, right? They right. agreed to these protocols no, knowing no. full well what the ramifications were going to be. Sure. So we shouldn't yeah. be shocked that games are getting canceled because of it because this is what they agreed to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I guess I'd never heard the protocols. I guess I didn't know what the protocols were. I assumed that they would be similar to the rest of the country and that if somebody tested positive, you would quarantine that person and continue on with, with business as usual, not shut down the entire group of D linemen. And then in that case, shuts down the entire game, which takes away opportunities for everybody on Cal's team, everybody on UW's team. That's a win loss that could, that could screw them. Say UW goes five and oh. And, you know, there's another team that's, that's 6-0. and 
I mean, it's just, it, it kills them. It kills their schedule. Um, and it kills those opportunities for those players to make plays. Now, there is a game that is going to be played this weekend, and it involves the team that you two gentlemen uh, work for the radio network for, the Arizona State Sun Devils. They will be in action uh, tomorrow, taking on USC, a barn burner of an opener for this Pac-12 season for Arizona State. Sean, I'll start with you here with this. What should we expect to see tomorrow? I don't think anybody has any idea, right? I mean, the odds makers are heavy for USC right now. Um, I, I don't think anybody has an idea. You know, you don't know what ASU is going to look like right now. You have a new offensive coordinator in Zach Hill who uh, you know, wants to have a running back room by committee, which, by the way, all three running backs that are going to be seeing time tomorrow for ASU have never taken a D1 snap. Uh, you have a very young wide receiving group. Um, you're going to see the tight end used in this offensive lot, Jordan. How about that? That's interesting, right? It's weird. We haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, we'll, with ASU. we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, you know, so I don't think we know what we're going to see yet. I know it's, it, there's a lot of changes. Like Zach Hill is going to be on the sideline calling plays for the Sun Devils. The offensive coordinator hasn't been down there for a while. Uh, Marvin Lewis is going to be calling plays for the defense up in the booth. You have be going from the 3-3-5 to the 4-3. Um, you know, there's just so many variables that we don't know that it's hard to say what ASU is or isn't going to be. And then if you go back and look across the, the, the landscape of college football, week one for every conference was a little bit crazy. So there, there's really no way to know what we're going to see. The good thing is, is you're going to see the Sun Devils and USC on the field at the Coliseum, and that's just going to be exciting in itself. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I again, you know, uh, I, I feel bad for the, the players at Cal and UW, and it, it could very well be ASU. So we have to be grateful for any opportunity that they get to yeah. go out on that field and compete. So this is going to be a very eye-opening game for both USC and ASU. I think it'll be sloppy early just because they haven't played anybody um, but themselves for so long now. Um, and then you got two two new coordinators on both USC and, and ASU. You know, as you mentioned, Sean, they're, they're, they switched to a 4-3. And everything that I've read and listened to is that this game plan for ASU is going to be so simple which I absolutely love because anytime you have a new system come in, sometimes they try to force feed too much. And so they can have all of their defenses in so that if, you know, if, if USC does this, we'll be able to have this call when in fact, just get your base defense down and you got the players that are good enough and will compete that you should be able to take care of business. Look there, they, they have uh, defensively for ASU. They have the, the probably the best secondary that will have been there in the last 10, 15 years, in my opinion. I mean, they have a chance to be special with the amount of starts that Chase Lucas has. Jack Jones, another corner who who's put on about 15 pounds of muscle this year, is finally in shape versus when he came in last year. So uh, it, it's exciting. Ashari Crosswell. And then you have these this linebacker group for ASU that's going to be really special. And Merlin Robertson, who, in my opinion, will get drafted this year probably in the third round. Darian Butler's a guy as well that is just a hard-nosed football player. And then defensive line, is, is probably their weak point on the defense. But Jermaine Lole, you switch him into D-tackle. He's a guy that led them in sacks with six and a half last year. He's going to be special to watch this year and in, in, in his development. Um, and then you put Tyler Johnson up on that that D-line spot as a D-end, Sean. And I didn't know if you knew that, but, but he is going to be a game changer for them up on the D-line. He's fast. He can move. His pass rush, if, if that continues to get better. Uh, but they're going against a USC offense that has experience. They have, uh, I mean, you want to talk about ASU's DBs, they got their hands full this week with USC's offense. They've got three legit receivers. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you got 21. I'm blanking on his name. 
Um, but but and then Keaton Slovis, Keaton Slovis is 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 their guy. He's the guy that took Jaden Daniels, uh, freshman offensive player of the year in the Pac-12 last year. Um, and you know that that brings me to the offense, and I'm I'm keep going here because I'm just kind of breaking down everything, I guess. But <laughs> it's Tyler offensively, Bonds, by the way, Tyler Bonds, Tyler Bonds, Tyler yeah. Bonds. Thank you. Yeah, I was blanking on his name, but yeah, he he's a stud too. Um, and so can Keaton Slovis get comfortable in in their kind of new offense with Graham Harrell early? That'll be interesting to watch. But Jaden Daniels, um, you know what what's his development in his sophomore year? What what do I want to see from him? I want to see him do the same thing that he did last year at ASU, right? I want to see him take care of the football. Two interceptions, one of them being a, uh, a tip pass. I just want to see him get comfortable early, run the football. Rashad White is a is a kid that uh, transferred out of JUCO, will be a junior this season, uh, who is probably going to get most of the carries uh, when when you're at ASU. But better offensive line, uh, quarterback will probably upgrade. Receiver Frank Darby. We have some young guys filling in there, but this is going to be a battle. I, I think the line is is way closer than than what Vegas makes it. I don't know why that is. Our defense, uh, ASU's defense, is extremely um, experienced. They played together a lot, uh, and so I think just in that aspect, the line should be a lot closer. Do you think it has something to do with the fact that uh, defenses have been behind the eight ball across the board? This is college football and and yeah. and the NFL with the limited uh, off-season programs and work. It seems like defenses are significantly behind. Uh, the off, which is odd. I thought it would be the exact yeah. opposite coming into this year, but it feels like defenses across the board, college football and the pros, out of the gate, right out of the shoot, have been behind the eight ball. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think so. Like I said when I started, I think it's going to be sloppy. There's going to be some missed tackles. There's going to be some stupid penalties that you see. Just guys, uh, you know, getting back into the flow of the game. You'll probably see some MAs, you know, missed assignments and some blown coverages, but that'll probably be happening on both sides of the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, but the USC has been playing against themselves too, just like ASU. So they're going to have to show up uh, early as well. And so I, I still think that the line is, is is too big. I think it'll be high scoring because of that. But uh, towards the end of the game, there'll be a couple big stops uh, in, in somebody's favor that will, will ultimately win that game. I think it'll be a 30 to 20, you know, in, in those games. Uh, but I, I do think ASU will win this game. I, I, I think that their defense and their coaching staff will have them set up. And look, this is a USC team that didn't play against Jaden Daniels last year. You remember that? They played against Joey Yellen. And Joey Yellen almost drove down the field at the end of that game and, and was able to, to take it. And so this is a team that has not only a bad taste in their mouth, but they're traveling back home. Most of this roster and most of the talent on this team is from the L.A. area. And anytime you get you get guys back there that have felt like they've been overlooked by USC for a long time, they always play well. Um, and the conditions, it might be raining a little bit. It looks like it's 60% chance of rain. Yep. Uh, regardless, I think ASU is going to come out ready to roll. Uh, and, and like I said, probably be a little bit sloppy to start. Uh, but, but if Jaden Daniels continues to take care of the football like he has, take some big shots down the field of Frank Darby, uh, open up this defense. I, I think you're going to see ASU come out and uh, of the Coliseum with a win. Somebody flexing the prep work that they've done in the last couple of days for the broadcast tomorrow. There, uh, George Money, very well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, listen, he's he's prepared. He's prepared for tomorrow, but he was flexing a little bit there. He was flexing what, the prep what, work. What time are you getting to the show tomorrow, Jordan? I'll be there at 6:55. Thank you. That's what I'm there talking about. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to get good. you a coffee uh, on the way, Sean? No, I don't do coffee. Probably can't bring I, I do, that, I do, can't I do bring that inside. Yeah, we can. I'll get actually. you a rock star. Oh, okay. I'll get you a four loco and a rock star. Okay, done. Uh, I will end loco. this. 
I will end this segment on this. Sean, you mentioned it off the top, but the Sun Devils will be the only team in the country that starts the season with zero Division One carries by a running back on their travel roster. So you mentioned that they have zero carries. They're the only team in the country that will do yep. so. And their offensive line, there's the 30 career starts, six fewest in the nation. Yeah, and final thought, no carries for that group of running backs. Talented group of running backs though like yes it could yeah. be, no no, it no. Could be i'm not special. saying anything about yeah. their talent just right. they're the only team in yes. the country that has this situation so it's right. a little unique and we'll see it on display tomorrow coming up next it's kyler versus tua and is this part of a 10 game audition for tua tonga vailoa we'll get into it next here on no bull with chris crespin and simone hey let me tell you about our friends over at earnhardt auto centers i spent time with Jim Babe Earnhardt just this week talking to him about uh, their dedication to service and his his late father, Tex Earnhardt, who passed away uh, this year and just the dedication that that it took for him to start Earnhardt. Really cool story, but a locally owned and operated since 1951. Uh, look, there's nobody in the Valley that you should trust more than Earnhardt Auto Centers, north, south, east or west. Doesn't matter where you are in the Valley. They'll get you covered um, with their Noble Express option. Right now, you can go online to nobull.com and have a car brought to you to test drive at your front door. They will literally bring you a brand new car for you to test drive for the day. Uh, it, it's a super easy process from, from the financial application online. Uh, you can buy it right then and there. Uh, go to nobull.com, click that Noble Express tab. No better place to buy a car. Noble, Earnhardt Auto Center since 1951. That ain't no bull. The battle of the mobile quarterbacks on Sunday. Kyler Murray, Tua Tungavailoa, the Cardinals against the Dolphins. The Cardinals coming off of a bye. The Dolphins coming off of a destruction of the Rams, albeit maybe not in the way we anticipated them winning that football game. Kind of scored in every way possible. And the national media has kind of taken hold of this one because it is a matchup of supposedly two of the future quarterbacks of this game and Kyler Murray and Tua Tungavailoa. Now, before we get into the Cardinal side of this, there's a lot to get into with Kyler, and there were some Vance Joseph comments about Isaiah Simmons that I want to get into, guys. Sean, I want to start here, because Brian Flores kind of put this rumor to bed in the media, but I was shocked to hear this, that there was a report floated around from inside of the Miami circle there that this stretch of the season, since now they've made this move to Tua as the starting quarterback, is a 10-game tryout for Tua to, to evaluate what they have because with the Houston pick that they have in next year's draft, they have their own pick. They could potentially move on from Tua if he doesn't pass this 10-game tryout that they've given him. I was stunned by this. Not a chance. Um, you Listen, and, and you, I'm glad that Coach Flores came out and said, uh, we draft people that high because we believe in them. We believe in, in evaluating talent or, excuse me, developing talent and cutting somebody after 10 games would be the exact opposite of that. Uh, this isn't a 10-game audition. This is a 10-game, let's find out what we need to work on this offseason going into next year. He's going to get another season, another opportunity. You know, And I understand, especially here locally, why people are bringing this up. One, the Cardinals are playing the Dolphins. Two, we just saw the Arizona Cardinals draft a quarterback top 10 and then do an about-face the following season. But you have to understand what was going on with the Arizona Cardinals at that point. you got to put context to the situation. They were doing an, an, a, a full-blown organizational about-face, right? 
firing the head coach as well. You moved on from the offensive coordinator midseason. You hired an outside-the-box type head coach in Cliff Kingsbury, and you wanted a quarterback that he felt fit what he was trying to accomplish, so you you drafted Kyler Murray. Oh, and by the way, you also had the number one overall pick. You know what the Dolphins aren't going to have next year, even with the Houston Texans pick that they have? The number one overall pick. You want to know who that they're not going to be in line to draft next year? Trevor Lawrence. So it's not the same as what we saw here with Arizona. I understand it happened just a couple years ago in the NFL where a team drafted a quarterback top 10 and moved on shortly after going into the next season. That isn't going to happen here. So whoever reported the fact that this is a 10-game quote-unquote audition for Tua is just is just off base. That's just it, it's a it's a find out what you have. It's a where is this kid's strengths? Where are his weaknesses? What can we work on? What do we need to put around him to give him the best opportunity to succeed? That's what you're doing over the course of the next 10 games. But this isn't an audition that the Dolphins are going to move on from Tua unless he shows that he absolutely cannot play in this league, which I know will not be the case. That was just a ridiculous report to begin with. Look, we, we knew this from the beginning when Miami was drafting Tua, that they were playing the long game. He's a, he's a guy that's had injuries. He's had that hip injury, obviously, that he's coming off of. Um, I didn't think that we'd even see him this season, to be honest. I thought you that they would keep Ryan Fitzpatrick and just let Tua fully get healthy. Um, but apparently he's healthy. He's ready to roll, and so they, they bring him in. This is, a, a as you said, Sean, an opportunity for them to find out what else they need to bring around him, um, where they need to shore up. Um, some things because this is a team in Miami that in a couple years could be really, really special. Their defense is good. They're a well-coached team. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that you're, you're playing the long game with Tua here. You're not looking to win right now. You're looking to find out what you need and, and get Tua that experience that he needs. On the other side, the Arizona Cardinals coming off of the of the bye week, and this is something that we've talked about, gentlemen, that this team needs to be focused and not repeat the mistakes of years past coming off the bye week. Well, one person, one player who wasn't around for that bye week last year and has impressed his defensive coordinator is Isaiah Simmons. I want to read you this quote uh, from Vance Joseph. Sean, I'll get your immediate thoughts. This is on Isaiah Simmons. Quote, after the bye, he came back a different guy. He's definitely more comfortable. He's more confident in what he's doing. He wants more playing time end quote yeah and he needs more playing time right if you draft a guy eighth overall he needs you need more playing time and i understand you've had players at the position playing well for you this year um but much like we just talked about with tua you need to have an idea of what you have right i mean you you mm-hmm. drafted a guy in the top 10 you need to have an idea of what you have uh having him out there you know anywhere between four and ten snaps a game like i think when he had the interception against seattle wasn't that his fourth or fifth snap of the game and it was in overtime um you you hope he's able to find his way in terms of understanding what they're trying to accomplish defensively and able to be out there and just use that ridiculous athleticism that we know he has you know if he can ever get into a place where he's just playing and jordan maybe you can speak on this better than me being a a player that played in, in you know defensive back and in uh, big-time college football and in the NFL for a moment. But, you know, he's got ridiculous physical ability, right? If he could ever just play and not be thinking about what he's trying to do, there's, there's, you know, there's no telling where this kid can actually be and, and what kind of an asset he can be for that defense. So I think that's where he's got to get to. Hopefully he's able to get there soon. But I think that only really comes with playing time. So I would hope they're able to get him some more playing time. Yeah, super athletic. Uh, the, the thing we always talked about with, with Simmons was 
can they get him in a spot and get him comfortable? Don't try to move him to safety. Don't try to move him up on the D-line. Just put him at linebacker, which they've done. Uh, but obviously, something's been missing, right? He hasn't been able to to crack into that starting lineup. And, uh, you know, with Devon Kennard being out on the COVID list, they bring in Marcus Golden um, from the Giants. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how much they incorporate him. I think he's feeling confident after that, that basically the game-clinching interception over Russell Wilson. I think that will help you uh, help anybody get some confidence going into your bye week, right? Uh, so it's funny that he's coming back going, yeah, you know, more, I want more. Coach, I'm ready, more coach. coach. <laughs> you made one big play. Uh, let, let's If that's what he needed to get some confidence, great. Um, can he keep translating that onto the field? That'll be what I'll be looking for. I do want to make a quick note here while we're talking about this game. This doesn't appear to be something that will impact the game, but it is something to note that the Dolphins are dealing with a positive COVID situation with an assistant coach. Uh, that, that that came out right before we started recording this show Friday morning. So just something to keep an eye on as we go into the weekend. As we've seen throughout the course of the season, these things develop very, relatively quickly, and you can go from a game being scheduled to be played at a certain time to it all of a sudden being played on Tuesday very, very quickly. So just wanted to put that, put that out out there as a note as of this moment the game is scheduled to go on as normal but when one of the two teams involved uh, is dealing with some positive COVID situations it is no newsworthy and noteworthy to at least mention it to put it out there to keep an eye on that uh sean to, to wrap up this conversation we talked a, a lot about it i think at last week and at the beginning of this week but as we sit here on a friday a couple days away from game day do you feel differently about this game and where this team's mindset is coming out of the bye than maybe we did last year when we saw what they did coming out of the bye? I don't feel – I think last week when we had this conversation, I was like, hmm, they might they, – they, they, they can't repeat the same mistakes that they did last time. I've heard from coaches. I've heard from players. I don't, I don't feel the same way maybe I did a week ago. I, it, now, again, maybe it's just good PR, but the message that they're putting out there, I'm buying yeah, it's easy to feel that way when you're five and two, right? When when you go into the bye week, yeah. when you go into the bye week with the the win that you did over over Seattle and national TV, it, 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 you're going to feel better coming out. Uh, but no, listen, just the fact that you have more experience with with Coach Cliff and with Kyler and with you know everybody involved, Vance Joseph, the whole group, right? You just feel now that you have another year under your belt, better about them coming out of this bye week. Uh, and they were saying all the right things. Hopefully it translates. Kyler saying he wasn't even taking a bye. You know, I know. I, I, I just I think you you feel good going into this football game because one, Tua didn't look great last week, right? You feel like no, your defense right. is going to be able to get after him. Um, you don't feel like you're going to turn the football over quite like Jared Goff and the Rams did as well in that football game against the, the Dolphins last week. So you feel good going into this football game. But I think a lot of that has to do with simply having the experience of year two now. Kyler's, you know, understands what it's going to take to get in and out of a bye week without losing momentum. Same with Cliff, you know, the whole group. So, now I feel okay about where the Arizona Cardinals are. You just hope they don't come out and lay an egg, but they shouldn't. I don't anticipate that they will. Uh, and and hopefully they're able to get to 6 and 2 and really put themselves in a great spot. And I think the other thing you'd like to add here is that the Dolphins, I know they just beat this year's version of the Rams, but this year's Dolphins are not last year's Rams, right? That's a divisional game. It's a tough opponent. You've brought up the point that they were angry about what had happened on, on Monday night the previous week, right? They were just, they didn't play particularly well. They were just an angry football team and they came out and they took it out on the Arizona Cardinals. I, it's a different, different context, different situation. I just, I don't know. There's something, you know, in my gut that just makes me feel a little bit more positive, a little bit more upbeat. And I think you might've hit the nail on the head. It might be because... 
Tua didn't look great, right? A turnover on his first possession. They didn't ask him to do yeah, a whole was, lot. And even was, and even what he did do, he didn't look great. He was strip-sacked by Aaron Donald. I'm not going to fault the rookie for that. No, you no, know no. I, mean? I know, I know. No, no, <laughs> no. Fair, on, fair. But, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. He didn't light the world on fire. He didn't do what we've seen in L.A. with Justin Herbert or with no. Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. He didn't look like any of those guys. And, but like I said so, going into it, though, if you were expecting him to come out and be that guy, your expectations needed to be adjusted slightly. Like, not every rookie quarterback is going to be put in a position to be able to have that type of success. Not every rookie quarterback is going to be an instant hit, you know, even to what we saw from Kyler Murray last year. It's just it's just not realistic to expect that. So give him a chance to be a rookie. Give him a chance to be evaluated. But to, to go full circle on this conversation, Schubert, before we move on, uh, this isn't an audition. This is 10 games no, no, of no. getting tape on a young quarterback, and the Dolphins will see where they're at. Yeah, you can argue about whether or not it was the right decision to do that, but they, they are certainly not doing this to then ultimately Audition. be like, "Yeah, we're good. No, we're good. Right? We'll go. We'll get Justin Fields or Trey right. Lance or somebody." That's not what this is about. This is a decision for 2021. Coming up next, we will wrap up this edition with No Bull with Chris Crespin and Simone with a little buy or sell about some quarterbacks in the National Football League and whether or not a certain wide receiver is the best wide receiver in the league. We'll do it next here on No Bull with Chris Crespin and Simone. Back to tell you about Manscaped, a lovely partner of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. And gentlemen, we all know that there's there's times where you're, you're trimming below the belt and uh, it, it doesn't go as planned. You hurt yourself. You, you get a little cut and it's just not a good time. Mm. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. You saw it on Monday's show. We all showed it off. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer well, we ever showed, created. We showed the trimmer. We didn't show it in, in Okay, we, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Let me make so it very clear. We, we showed, just showed the physical the trimmer. trimmer. Don't go There's, back to yeah. Monday's show looking for anything beyond that. Okay? No, no, yeah. no. The Lawnmower 3.0, <laughs> a premium, premium ball hair trimmer battery lasts up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave it's waterproof allows you to groom in the shower sean's favorite feature the led light more Dude. precise trimming you can illuminate things that you don't think you ever saw before or, right? or even should see but you do even and you're able see. and you're able to take care of it and don't forget the charging stand that you can just put right there on your counter and charge it ready to go uh, if you're listening to this we want you to experience firsthand yourself Go to manscaped.com. You get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code NOBULL. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code NOBULL, all caps. Your balls will thank you. Sean Crespin. Let's do it. We lost. Uh, I want to just, you know, break the fourth wall. Transparency. Mm -hmm. We've lost our third co-host. He's gone. Oh, he's, he's not just holding really still on the picture in no, front of me? He's going to Okay. He's out of here. I had a, had a very important work meeting that he had to take, <laughs> so you and I are holding down the fourth remainder of the show. Or else he would have done the Manscaped read there at the end of the program, but I, I took it over. A little buy or sell here on a Friday, and we got some good topics. You, you put a bunch of quarterbacks on this list that we're going to buy or sell as the long-term solution at quarterback for their respective teams. And as always, I have the sound effects ready for this. You just turn up the, the, the pot that has that sound effects on it so I don't play it to nobody. Sean Crespin, quarterback number one that you buy that you're buying or selling as a long-term solution at quarterback, mm -hmm. New York Giants QB Daniel Jones. I'm buying it. I know you're not, Schubert. Go ahead and hit the button. I'm buying it. Uh, you can see the talent is there. I mean, heck, go back to that game. Uh, was this, it was a it was a Monday, right against the the the. It's been a long week. <laughs> 
as it ever. Uh, so Monday is when the, the Giants are playing the Bucks, and, and the way you know he makes his his he makes his plays to make you scratch your head and go, "What the hell are you doing?" I believe he's had one game in his career so far where he does without a turnover, only one game without a turnover. Uh, but you can see the raw talent, and it's there. That final touchdown pass follows it up by being late on the the throw to the flat for the win or for the tie, I should say, for the two point conversion. But either way, you can see the talent is there. Yeah, he can be a long-term solution. They got to put more around him. You know what I mean? Like he's dealing with an offense with no Saquon right now. You know, with Golden Tate really is that his, his go-to. I mean, easy, easy, easy. Be know? careful. Don't call Golden Tate. Like, his wife I mean, will call you out on Instagram. I'll be call careful. him out a little bit. He's, he's a solid wide receiver, but he's not somebody you're going to put around a super young wide receiver and all of a sudden give That's him an opportunity to light it up, right? So I buy Daniel Jones. I, I buy him long-term. What about you? I'm selling, and it's because of the reason you just mentioned. This guy makes Jameis Winston look like a good quarterback with some of the turnovers that I see out of Daniel Jones. Listen, he makes those plays that make you go, wow, I see why the Giants drafted him. But he makes some boneheaded decisions that make you go, dude, what did you see? I saw this sitting on my couch. How did you not see it? You got a better view than I do. And I think now in year two, I don't see... A, a quarterback that is learning from those mistakes, Sean. That's my issue. These are correctable things. These are mistakes that can be fixed. A lot of the time, it's him trying to do too much. It's him not taking a sack when taking a sack's the right play, right? He threw a pick in that game on Monday, which was just a result of him not wanting to take a sack, so he just chucks it down the field right to a Tampa Bay defender. Those things are correctable, yet it doesn't feel like Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator in, the, in New York, is doing anything to help him correct them because he constantly makes them. He has more two turnover games than any quarterback not named Jameis Winston in the league over the last two seasons. That's not company you want to keep in the National Football League. I don't see this getting better. Now, maybe the light bulb goes off eventually and he does that. But until that happens, you cannot win football games. Ask Tampa Bay. You cannot win football games when your quarterback is gifting the opposition two extra possessions a game because of boneheaded decisions. I am selling Daniel. You're Jones. not wrong, but I, I've, I've seen so many quarterbacks, half young quarterbacks who have to change coordinators, who have to go, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's not ideal. Like, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to see where this goes for Daniel Jones. I'll, I'll buy him so far still as the long-term solution. What do we got next? Bye. Drew Locke, buy or sell, is the long-term quarterback solution there in Denver. Sell twice. Sell, Maybe sell, even, sell. Th if this week ever ends, a third time on Sunday. Uh, I, I, Drew Locke sell, to me. Yeah. Sell, <laughs> sell, sell. I just, I'm, I'm not a big Drew Locke guy. Like, I, 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 I'm just, I'm not. Like, yes, you see moments where he, he shows that he's, you know, the arm talent is there and so forth, but... And he's another guy who's had to go through coaching changes and so forth. I just, I, I overall don't see, I just don't see it. I don't feel the it factor there with him. And maybe, maybe I'm a little bit too old school. I, I, I just, I don't like my quarterback on the sideline, you know, rapping and dancing and doing everything. I just, the quarterback position, I feel oh, the that's focus. Fun. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. Like, I'm not hating on him as a person for it. I just, I, I, I it, to me, it rubs me a little bit wrong. There's certain positions where you you're okay with you know a guy being loose and and quarterback positions not one of them. I want to dial in. You know, uh, for me, Drew Lock just doesn't seem like a long term solution there. I was actually chatting with some buddies in in Denver, and the vibe in Denver is the same. Like they're not sold on Drew Lock at all as the long term solution, and neither am I. So so so. 
This might be a little unfair, mm -hmm. but just look at the quarterbacks in the division that he plays in. <laughs> yeah. He's not any of those guys. No, none of them. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He is not Derek Carr. And he is certainly not Justin Herbert. That's the, that is the, the, the way I'm evaluating this. He is not any of those guys. I don't think he's ever going to be anything close to any of those guys. But here's the issue, Sean. You mm -hmm. and I both sit here and sell him as the long-term option. I don't know if Denver internally feels that they have enough of a valuation point because he's been hurt so much. It's true. But they use the second-round pick in the guy, and I don't know if they feel comfortable making a decision one way or another, which puts them in this quarterback purgatory where they're just gonna they're gonna just go with this probably longer than they should. They probably should move on after this season and find somebody in free agency or via the draft and start over. But I don't know if they're going to do that because he's missed time and they haven't gotten full evaluation points. And they'll say, well, he lost years because of the injury. He didn't get a chance to have a full season and really put in, you know, work. I'm selling because I don't think he's the guy there, but I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to be surprised if Denver chooses to, to stay with him because they're going to try to give him all the opportunity. Well, and, if, and if you're picking 14th, 15th in the, in the NFL draft, you know, you're not going to you be getting. Yeah. What, what are you replacing him with? So, like I said, you can see moments. And I was texting with a buddy that in Denver, he's a big Denver guy. Uh, and he, I was said, he's got to, he's got to drive you nuts. You know, in the fourth quarter, once the pass rush wasn't all over him, because let's be real, let's be fair to Drew Locke. The Denver offensive line is a joke. But as soon as Bosa went out for, for the Chargers, they weren't getting to him like they were all game. And all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, you see the arm talent. So it's got to be frustrating as can be. Like, it's there. It's somewhere in there. But he's yeah. just not consistent enough. And in Denver, you know, a lot of people, like I said, I've chatted with, people I've chatted with at least out there, not sold on Drew Locke as the guy going forward. Next quarterback up on the list, Sean, buy uh -huh. or sell Sam Darnold as the long-term solution at quarterback in New York for the mm, Jets. In New York? That's the key word there. That's what we're doing. We're buyer selling these quarterbacks with their current teams. I'm going to sell that. Solution. I'm going to I'm going to have to sell that. And sell, and sell, sell. You and I, you being a Jets fan, you and I have a lot of conversations about this exact topic off the air, off the show. Yes, uh, we do. You know how I feel about Sam Darnold. The kid can play quarterback in the National Football League. He can. It's it's that's not even arguable at this decision at this point of his career, I should say. Um, the decision to keep him and my decision to say he's not the long-term solution in New York, is because I think New York is going to move on because they want to just reboot everything. And when and I think when you have a Trevor Lawrence, let's be real, nobody sees a win on the schedule for the Jets. They're going to have the first overall pick. When when you have a Trevor Lawrence as an option, if you don't, if you don't draft Trevor Lawrence and you stick with Sam Darnold and Lawrence goes to pick two, pick three, whatever it might be, and becomes what people think he will, It'll just be such a that's such a big blow to the New York. I don't think they can pass up because of that. I personally wouldn't. I would put things around Sam Darnold. I would I would garner assets in the draft and make as many picks as I can. It's a numbers game in the NFL draft. You're not going to hit on all of them, so get as many as you can and see if you can hit on a decent percentage. I would I would I would go that route and put it around Sam Darnold. But I don't think the Jets are going to do that. So is he the long term solution there? No, sell it. Sell, sell, sell. I'm with you. I, I just think the writing is on the wall. I think Sam Darnold can play quarterback. I think he can play quarterback in New York for the New York Jets. But if they have the number one overall pick and they pass on Trevor Lawrence, whether they trade the number one pick or they just pick somebody else, if Trevor Lawrence goes anywhere else and is a superstar, they are going to be laughed at forever. And just the fear of that is enough for Joe Douglas, the general manager, 
to reboot at the quarterback position. Let me ask it you It shouldn't it, be that way. No. Is Sam Darnold – there's only been a couple in my lifetime, right? Like, I was – I'm just – I was just too young to understand what was going on when Elway came out. But I was I, I was right there as a fan, you know, old enough to know when Peyton Manning came out, can't miss – I was I mean, obviously when when Andrew Luck was coming out, you knew that that was a can't miss. Is Trevor Lawrence a can't miss? Is he is he on that list? Feels close. like it, right? It feels it like feels he's like close. It. it feels it feels like it more so than any year since Luck's been drafted, right? I'd agree with I that. I don't think there's an, another year where I feel that but there's you, a prospect to that level. You hear is he smart- Peyton level? I don't know. I don't put him on Peyton level, no. Like, but he's you knew, close. You knew. He's you in just between. Knew. Yeah. I mean, I, you hear smart football people who are who were around for the Elway thing, and they say all the time, Elway was like an absolute can't miss. Um, and, you know, I was obviously a fan and old enough to watch Peyton come out. And uh, same with Andrew Luck, obviously. And, and both of those you just knew. I feel that way about Trevor. I kind of do. I kind of feel about, I kind of feel it. And I think what's helping me feel that way is because of the sex, success we're seeing with, with Burrow and the success we're seeing with, with – uh, uh, Herbert now as well, and all these guys, and obviously Mahomes so quickly, and you're starting to see these guys have the success so quick, and maybe it's making it easier to feel that way. So I, I mean, yeah, Sam Darnold, I'm sorry, bro, but you're not the long term solution. <laughs> now you get me. Now you get me hot to draft. Yeah, Trevor yeah, that's you just, you yeah. You got Let's me do one more. Let's do one more because we've gone okay. long here. Let's do one more. Okay, one more. Jimmy G, the okay. long term quarterback solution in San Francisco. No, and I think the quarterback we just. The quarterback we just talked about might find his way to San Francisco. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I no, Jimmy G, unfortunately, is not. And you know what's crazy? And you're seeing a lot of people do this on the debate shows. They look at the win-loss percentage for, for Kyle Shanahan with and without Jimmy G. With Jimmy G, it's through the roof. Like it, So, he can win you football games. There just seems to be a disconnect there somewhere, right? And he can't stay healthy. I think that's a big issue there. Uh, but there just seems to be a disconnect there. He's also I mean, owed a lot of money at the start of next year that I don't is, think San Francisco is going to be comfortable right, with. Right, and that's the thing, and that's what, that's what was my next point and why I don't believe he's the long-term solution. They, very smartly, and you'll appreciate this, Chris, being a guy who never wants to pay a quarterback, they you built in a pretty good out after this year. Good job. So they can move right on and, 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 and be okay with it. So I think that's what you're going to see. I think with San Francisco, long-term solution for Jimmy G, nope. And I think you're about to hit the same button I just hit, Schubert. How do you feel about the situation? So, so, so. Listen, uh, this is a take that I have that's particularly unpopular. Don't pay quarterbacks that aren't going to win you Super Bowls or when you already haven't won a Super Bowl, right? The reason why the Chiefs are able to get away with paying Patrick Mahomes, one, he's an elite-level quarterback. He's one of the few that I would pay that kind of money. Secondly, he's already won a Super Bowl. So even if they don't win another Super Bowl for the length of that contract, I don't think Chiefs fans are going to absolutely you know, blow a gasket because they're going to get to watch Patrick Mahomes every week. They're going to have a decent chance to win the Super Bowl over the next couple of years. And you know they've already won a Super Bowl. Jimmy G at what twenty seven plus million dollars a year? What it would be, I think, if if they keep him on the roster and he has to get paid that money, Jimmy G's not worth that kind of money. He hasn't no. played like he's worth that kind of money. I know they went to a Super Bowl. I'm here to tell you they didn't go to the Super Bowl directly because of Jimmy Garoppolo. They went to a Super Bowl because of their defense, because they had a very good running game, because their their coach is very good at scheming up a run scheme, and their quarterback didn't make any mistakes. Right, so. 
they can make a change at quarterback and keep everything the same. The run scheme, the defense, and have a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes. And they could very easily swap out Jimmy G for Sam Darnold. And I think make an upgraded quarterback for less money and have resources to put elsewhere. That is what they could potentially do. So I am a big believer in you don't pay quarterbacks unless they're elite and they're, you're absolutely going to win a Super Bowl with them or you've already won a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo is not that guy. I'm out. I'm moving on. Okay, I want to do one more. This is oh, not quarterback okay. I'll, related. I'll, but leave the music, I'll leave the music on. What do you got? Just very quickly because okay, he had another quick. good game last night. Devontae uh -huh. Adams, the best receiver in the National Football League. Sell. Sell, sell, sell. He's sensational. He's sensational, right? I can't give hard, him that crown yet. Think about some. It is, but think about some of the other names that are still in the league. The best in the National you know Football what? League. You know what? You said I'm doing it. Devontae <laughs> Adams, the best receiver in the league. You know what? It's a football Friday. I'm going for it. Who's better right now? Who's better this year? Who's better? It's not mean, Michael if, Thomas hasn't played enough. If we're gonna play with recency bias, I mean, yeah, he was, he was sensational last night. But no, no, no. Just in general. He's like he I would still take I would still I think, I think I think I can still do more with Julio. No, I think I, stop. Get out of here. Give me that size. Give me that size. Get out of here mean? with that. Give Get out of here with Julio. I understand that everybody's so big and, and right maybe rightfully so with what we saw, you know, in the last couple of years, records being set for most receptions in a season as we're running all these quick slants and short drags across the middle of the field. Get me in the red zone and give me Julio all day. You know what I mean? So, yeah, the yards look great. The fantasy numbers are outstanding. I can do more with a Julio than I can with a Devontae Adams. Okay. I'm going to add one more thing. I think okay. it's more impressive what he's doing because there's nobody else that does stuff on that Green Bay offense on a regular basis. Yeah, you have the random game from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who had a fantastic game last night. But in Atlanta, Julio's able to get catches because people are paying attention to Calvin Ridley. Devontae Adams is doing what he's doing with everybody on the field Whoa, pointing dude. at number 17 going, double that guy. Take, get rid of that guy. I stopped, and he still has these big numbers. I stopped the music because you just insinuated that Julio Jones is only getting grabs because Ridley no, no, is No, 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 no. No, I'm just I'm saying. I'm stopping the, the show at that point. I'm halting the he, entire thing at that he's point, He's able Schubert. to be successful because of the situation as well. That helps him continue to put up bigger numbers, right? He's still an immensely talented receiver, and he was doing it long before Calvin Ridley was there. But Calvin Ridley's emergence as a, as a top threat has opened the door for Julio Jones. Devontae Adams is doing this by himself. He's doing this when everybody knows he needs to be covered. That makes it even more impressive. So you know what? Buy it. Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the National Football I'm not, League. I, I'm not knocking, not knocking Devontae Adams. Best wide receiver in the National Football League. Okay, fine. Uh, best statistics award of the National Football League. Devontae. Let's go, what brother. Most, but best wide receiver? No. No. No, he's great. But there's a ton of guys that are, that are right there with him in the National Football League, and I think I can do more with the size of a Julio. If I'm putting it this way, if I'm starting a football team right now, who are you drafting? Who are you taking? Devontae Adams. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. Over Julio Jones? I'm if that's the, the, the pick, no, I'm, just saying in I'm, just, I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying in general. Oh. I mean, I mean I DK Metcalf has been equally as impressive, and, and I get the size. You know what I mean? I get the, I get the red zone ability because I got the My size. Friend. You know? Like, there's so many. There's so many. He's he, I, he's just been so good. This he's year. so good. I, I'm again. I'm not. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying. You asked me buy or sell best wide receiver in the National Football. I gotta sell. I I, I can't. I can't take it. I I can't buy that yet.
I can't That'll do it. it for the Friday edition of Buy or Sell. That'll do it for the program. You can follow the show at Noble underscore podcast. You can follow me at Shoe Radio. Follow Sean at S Crespin02. Follow the uh, the departed Jordan Simone at Jordan Simone38. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, the gentleman in the boxes below me will have a full breakdown of the ASU game because they'll be there, uh, you know, in the thick of it with a with a preview. We won't be there. We'll be in some weird no, studio that I built at no, the facility here, watching it on TV and broadcasting the magic of radio. We will do uh, a breakdown of the Cardinals game against the uh, Dolphins and a full football Monday recap for you. Enjoy the weekend. Oh, Noble Live on Sundays. Sean, you and I are we doing uh, our 10 Sunday show. Now? 10 a.m. So I think because so normally we do 9 a.m. because when yeah. the time when everybody else changed their their time, three hours before the games that right. was 12 o'clock. That's an hour right. before football. Well, now 10 o'clock sure. is an hour before football starts for Plus, us. I think that's fair, reasonable. If we start at 10 o'clock, cashing in with Crespin happens with such little time for people to actually screw up and really take my advice. Right. It's right. always that's probably a I'm better I'm trying to help you out. It's probably a better call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, so then you, you and I will talk then. On, yeah, Sunday morning, Noble Live. You can catch it on our Facebook and YouTube page. We go over everything that happened in the college football weekend. We get you ready for the football Sunday and cashing in with Crespin, the most popular segment in Noble Live history. We do that on Sundays. If you don't join us and you join us Monday, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you then.